there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul, back on your radio again. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas, Vayetzeh Tav Shempei Gimel, the Rabbani Shlohim has once again given us the privilege of spending this time together. And we are eternally grateful for this opportunity, Baruch Hashem, to spend a bit of time learning Torah together, giving each other chizuk, somehow preparing ourselves for the coming Shabbos. As I say, maybe you'll have something to say over at your at your Shabbos table, maybe it's something that will just hit a chord within you and hopefully resonate and give you and give you strength for the coming Shabbos and the coming week. So Yaakov Avinu is running away from his brother by Yifkabamokum. He encountered the place by Yolensham and he spent the night there. Yifka he encountered as he prayed, he davened. Yaakov Avinu's encounter was of a spiritual nature. He encountered HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Since it was evening, this is when the uh, Yaakov initiated the Tfilas Arvis, the evening evening prayer. Chazal, the one Chulen, teach that originally Yaakov had passed the place right, without giving it a second thought. When he reached Haran, he realized that he had had passed the place where his father and, and Zayda had davened. And he did not. He immediately prepared to return. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a miracle which allowed him to have what's called Kfitza Saderach, a kind of contraction of the, of the road, of the way, which is, of course, a, a reference to a miraculous uh, instant kind of time travel between two locations. Why was Yaakov able to pass the first time and what happened later to cause him to make an about-face? So the, the Chabinarov explains that on the way to Haran, he was planning to stop at the base medrash of Shem and Ever. He felt that since he was about to learn Torah, it was improper to delay his objective by stopping to daven. He later realized, however, that tefillah is an essential requirement and, and a prerequisite for Torah study. Without tefillah, the Torah study is, is deficient. Therefore, he went, he went back. Torah achievement is, is not sort of predicated upon one's, one's acumen, one's, one's cleverness. It's a, it, a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu given to someone who is worthy of, of Siyat right, of the heavenly assistance. One must daven, plead, supplicate for this divine assistance. Otherwise, his learning will be an exercise in, in mental gymnastics, not Torah study. The Chazanish was a classic example. He writes, Torah and Tefillah are inexorably bound to one another. With the toil right, expended in studying Torah, right, assisting in one's being able to perceive the light of Tefillah. And likewise, the, the effort put into davening helps in one's perception of Torah. Right? He, often, he used to say that he had gained enormous levels of Torah and Yerushalayim, right? more due to his tefillah than due to his hasmada, his uh, diligence in learning. Uh, this is Alman Meltzer related that his Rebbe, the Nitziv, right? he was also a, a close student of Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, Right? So he was of the few who did not take sides when issues involving the leadership 
of yeshivas Vulajan came came to the fore. He sought only to learn Torah. Once he refused to give the shir, which he would give daily, and no one had the uh, you know the the chutzpah to to ask the netziv why he was not giving the shir. Ravisa Zalman Meltzer had a very close relationship with the Rebbe, so he asked. The Nitziv replied with total equanimity. I felt that today, during Shachris, I didn't have the proper kavana, right? During, during, during uh, the bracha of Avarabah, which we say before, before Shema, right? And I, therefore, I don't have the chutzpah to present my my uh, analysis of of a of a sugya of a topic of discussion without first davening properly, without tefillah, one does not merit the siyata the shmaya to be able to pinpoint the the really uh, the truth of of uh, of, of Torah. This is one one point nine high FM. The program is soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vayetze, Tov Shin Pei Gimel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being part of our radio family. Hopefully, our meetings on Friday afternoon are beneficial to you. You feel inspired. You gain something from it. You have something maybe to say over at your own Shabbos table. And for me, it's an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to spend some time. Now, we usually discuss very, very simple, basic uh, subjects. Today, I want to perhaps go a little bit deeper. You know, often, often, I get asked by students, by congregants, uh, tell tell us about Moshiach. Tell us about what's going to happen and what's going to be. Now, of course, we don't know. We don't any none none of us have ever experienced it, and therefore, no one can give us a really really ironclad uh, uh, interpretation or explanation or insight into what is going to to happen. But let's see. Perhaps starting with this week's parsha, if we can get a little bit of an idea of what might have been just to whet our appetite. For the coming of Mashiach, which we so dearly and so longingly wait for all, all the time. So in, in this week's Parsha, at the very, very beginning of the Parsha, so Yaakov Avinu, running away from his brother who wants to kill him, ends up by hook or by crook, ends up at the place of the of the Beis Hamikdash. Could be a Kondrashi. He actually went by all the way, almost was almost at his destination in, in Choron, and and then realize one second, how could I have gone by the base of Mikdash and not and not down there? And he went back and he fell asleep, and he had a a dream. So Yaakov dreams about this ladder. This ladder is mutzav arza. This this ladder is firmly established on the ground. and the top of it reaches all the way up to the heaven. And when he awakes up from his uh, sleep. So he understands that the ground on which he's lying is Admas Kodeshu. It's holy ground. In fact, it says, Yaakov calls the name of the place where he slept, Beiskel. However, lose Shema Yilarishina. Originally, the name of the city was a town called Luz. Asra says the place that he called uh, Basel, which we know is the Makkah and the Mikdash, is in fact Yerushalayim. So why do we have to tell us? Why is there any need for the Torah to tell us that before that it was called Luz originally? And and what I mean, obviously the Torah doesn't tell us random information that has no that has no purpose. What absolute base benefit could there be to us to know this kind of seemingly trivial fact that the city that Yaakov called Basel, which is Yerushalayim, was originally called called Luz? That's the question of the Rebbeinu Bachaya, and Rebbeinu Bachaya answers his question. And he says, it's possible 
to say that the Pasuk is coming to hint to us, to allude to us in using this name Luz, that from this place, from the Makon HaMikdash, was where the world began to develop, and to be, to be renewed. Now, he says, this is the first place that was uh, uh, the, uh, created, and the first place that was the, the novelty and the newness of the world. And therefore, the Torah is revealing to us that the name of this city originally was Luz, right? Which is the an expression of Luz, which is the the very the very very uh, bottom bone in the spine of of a person, and we know Chazal tell us that from that bone uh, is a, is in, in the future. We're going to wake up and we're going to be refashioned and reformed and recreated at the time of Tchiyas HaMesim. He says, in the same way that to understand the, the creation of, of the world is an absolute wonder, is an absolute miracle, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pella. And, and if that began from there, from that spot, from the city of Yushlam, from the Mokam HaMikdash, so too, the absolute wonderment and completely incomprehensible event of of the resurrection of the dead, will also begin from, from there. And in fact, David Melech explained this, this topic, and he said that the, the Bria of the land and the Bria of the Nefesh and the Guf, the body and the soul, right, everything is comes from 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 Zion. Everything his source is from Zion. End quote of of the Rabbeinu Bachai. To try to understand a little bit more what Rabbeinu Bachai is saying, I think we can do it based on the Medrash. The Medrash in Breishis Rabbah, Chavches Gimel says that uh, Adrianus, who was Shachikat uh, Samis. There was this man called Adrianus who, who used to uh, do certain stuff with, with, with bones. He asked Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya. He said to him, he said to him as follows, from where HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where is HaKadosh Baruch Hu going to, going to begin to form the, the person, the, uh, the, a person in, in lost love with the Tamashiach? How is that going to happen? So Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya answered him, it's going to be from the loose bone of the shedra, from that very, very bottom bone of, of the of the of, of the shedra. So the the man said to, to Rabbi Shua, how do you know that? You know, you, you, I don't know, you're not talking to how do you know that it's gonna come from there? So Rabbi Shua answered unto them, Bring me a loose bone and I'll show you exactly what I, what what I what I mean. So they brought him, he brought him one, and they took it and they ground it in, in a mill, and it was impossible to grind it. They burnt it in fire, it, it was not uh, uh, co consumed. They tried to put it in water, it didn't, it didn't melt. They, they uh, took, uh, put it on an anvil and began to hit it with a blacksmith's hammer, and the the uh, anvil broke, and the, the hammer broke, and the loose bone remained absolutely complete. So, based on this, what Rabbeinu Machai is telling us, a tremendous, tremendous Kiddush, and he's saying that in the same way as HaKadosh Baruch Hu created in the body of a person, the loose bone of the, of the bottom of the, of the spine, which is going to remain uh, and, and never decay, and remain f forever. And from that, in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to build the body of the person when it comes to Tzchiyas HaMesim. So to HaKadosh Baruch Hu created in the world, Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, which is the, the palace of HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, that this is just like the laws of the world, that from, the, from there HaKadosh Baruch Hu began 
creating the 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 first point of of the of the creation of the world, and from there Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to begin the Tchiasamesim, and they bring a a rem as an allusion to that because it says the ulam lose shame her ear light la rishayna. It says, however, Luz was the name of the city originally. If you take the words Ulam, Aleph, Vav, Lamid, Mem, so you can read it as Vineman, Zvav, Atta, the Aleph, Lehachayas, the Lamid, Mesim is, is, is the Mem. Akashbrochu is relied upon, is trusted upon that he's going to resurrect the dead, to 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 uh, hint to us that in the future Akashbrochu is going to begin the Tchias Hamesim from from Yerushalayim. In fact, similarly, the Radvaz was asked about a custom they had that people who were dying in Egypt were sending the their Mesim their corpses to Shlaim to be buried, and they asked the Radvaz if what they were doing was correct. And he said, absolutely, it is, because from there is going to begin HaMesim, uh, and you'll be saved from any suffering of having to get to Yerushalayim. But he warned them, make sure that you bring the entire body, because if anything is left behind, that could definitely delay and exacerbate the, the process. This is 101.9, Chai FM, Soul to Soul. There's so much more to talk about this topic. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Parshas, Vayetze, Tav, Shin, We are dealing with a very interesting topic, and that is, we brought the writings of the Rabbeinu Bachaya, that uh, just like <coughs> Yaakov Avinu called the name of Yerushalayim Luz, and that's because the loose bone is the indestructible part of a human being from which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to begin the reconstruction of a person when it comes to the time of Tchiyas HaMesim. So, too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Yushalayim, which from where he began the creation of the world, Yushalayim is the center point of the whole world, and the creation emanated from that point. So, too, will begin from Yerushalayim and we at the end we mentioned that therefore the concept of bringing uh, a mason, bringing uh, uh, dead bodies to Yerushalayim to be buried is a very 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 important thing because it's going to save everyone the trouble of having to get to, to Yerushalayim however it's it's quite appropriate to mention that Rav Shleim Zalman Arbach wrote in his in his Chuvus Mincha um, Shleimai uh, in Simit Sadivov that Har Menuchas and the cemetery in Sanhedria are not considered part of Yushlaim in terms of this incredible schooler, and it's only Harazesim. And therefore, if one is buried on, in Har Menuchas or or in the Sanhedria cemetery, so then you don't get the incredible advantage. Of those who are buried in in uh, in, in Yerushalayim. However, what of uh, Shlomo Zaman says is not so clear, because one of the reasons that Yaakov Avinu asked not to be buried in Mitzrayim was in order to be saved from having to roll through the tunnels from Yerushalayim to to uh, Eretz Yisrael and even from. Uh, Right, uh, and according to what the Radvaz is saying, that even if he had been uh, uh, buried as he was in Bar Samapela, so you still need to travel to roll from through the tunnels from Hebron until Jerusalem. And in order to understand this, so we have to uh, uh, add as a preface that. In the Zayar, it's brought, Amar Rabbi Shimon, that at that time, where it's time, she's where it's time to, to wake up all those who are no, no longer alive, and they're going to stand up again in Eretz HaKadosh, in Eretz Yisrael. So 
armies and armies and armies will get up. All of them will get up in the land of the Galil because that's where the Melech HaMashiach is going to be revealed because since that is the portion of land belonging to Yosef, that's where Mashiach is going to be revealed. And, and furthermore, another reason, because that's where the Gullus began. It was from that area that the Yidin began to be persecuted and, and, and separated and spread all over the, the world. And therefore, it is appropriate that the ingathering at the coming of Mashiach should begin from that place also. So it's a bit difficult because this seems to imply that Tchias is going to be in the area of Eretz Yisrael called the Galil, not in Yerushalayim, which is uh, uh, seemingly uh, in opposition to the words of the Rabbeinu B'chaya and, and the, and the Radvaz. And the truth is, the, what the Zaya Kodesh is saying that Tchias is going to be in, in the Galil, but he doesn't actually write in which city in the Galil it's, go, it's going to be. So uh, Rabbi Yosef Halevi, uh, in his Sefer, Mate Yosef, he brings that it's going to be begin in the city of Tzfas. And he brings a reason for that. He says, since the, the so-called ten tribes went into Golis before anyone else, Therefore, they need to come back before anybody else. And we know the city of Tzfas is the highest city in, uh, in uh, Eretz, Eretz Yisrael. And, and uh, they, uh, they were sent into Golis even before the, the, the kingdom of, of Yehuda. Now, in fact, uh, we've heard stories about the great tzaddik, Rav Avram, fish that he once said in front of his relatives that he wants nothing more than to be buried in Sfas because that is from where Mashiach is going to is going to come and he wants to be the, to see the Melech HaMashiach before anybody anybody else does and in fact uh, even today there is a story that makes the rounds in in Sfas about a very, very narrow alleyway with quite a lot of steps, very high steps, but the, the staircase is only about 60 centimeters wide and they can only go down in single file. And the story is connected to a woman called Yocheved Rosenthal who passed away in the year 1985 at the age of 100. And she dreamt that the Mashiach is going to come down this alleyway, and therefore every single day she would sit there next to that alleyway with two cups of tea ready in her hand to give to the Melech HaMashiach when he would, when he would come. In kind of a different opinion, the, the Rambam in Hilchus Sanhedrin in Perik Yudalet, he brings down that the great Bezdin, we know were, were sent into Golis from the Lishkasa Gazas, from the room in the base of Mikdash where they used to sit and preside over judgment. And they went through 10 different uh, Goliath, 10 different places they had to go to. And the last place they went was in Tiberia. And um, from that point, the Great Sanhedrin was disbanded, and there hasn't been one until until today. And we have a tradition, says the Rambam, a tradition that in Tiberia the is going to be the new place where the Sanhedrin is going to be reinstated, and from there it's going to move back to the to the base of Mikdash. The the Chida and Pesach Inayim writes that based on this, that which it says in the Gemara and Erevin on Daf Amem Gimel, that the Mashiach is going to uh, come and spread the news of the Mashiach in the Beisden Hagado. So that's not going to be when they are yet in the Lishkas Hagado's back 
in in Yerushalayim, it's still going to be in uh, in in Tiberia, and therefore that seems to imply that Mashiach is going to come to the city of Tiberia. Now you have three different versions: is it Yerushalayim, is it Tzfas, or is it uh, Tiberia? Rav Yaakov Shaltiel, right in his Sefer Emes Yaakov, so he brings that the Mashiach is going to be revealed in Tiberia, which is the place of the burial of Rav Meir. That, and Rav Meir, we know, holds in that famous uh, discussion that benkach u benkach kuruyim it doesn't make a difference what a year does, and even if a person strays off the path and, and doesn't behave the way a Jew is supposed to behave, still he's called a, a, a yid, and, and as the champion of all Yidin, that is where the Mashiach is going to come, come, uh, come, come from. And that's going to be the, the uh, beginning of, of, of it. The, the Saba Kadisha, uh, which is written by the uh, Rav Shloyme Eliezer uh, Alafandri, uh, he brings down that from the Sefer Emes Liakov, that those who died in Tiberia, they are the ones who are going to rise up uh, first. And that's how he explains the Gemara in Megillah Davov, which says that they used to bury all those who died in Babel, they used to bring them and bury them in in uh, in, in Tiberia. So therefore, we have, uh, we're not sure, is it going to be in Galil? And we have two choices of venues in Galil, or is it going to be in Yushlaim? to try to reconcile all this. So perhaps we can look in, in what's brought in the Oitzer uh, HaMedrashim. Um, there's a whole series of Medrashim about Mashiach, where it brings there that Mashiach ben Yosef is going to be revealed in the Galil, and he is going to go from there. Him and all of Kleisel are going to go up to Yerushalayim, and he will kill all the enemies of the Jews, and he will build the Beis HaMikdash, and then Mishap and Yosef will be killed by Goig Umagoig, and only afterwards will come Mashiach, Mashiach and David. And in, in another Sefer, he also brings that there is such a, a Messiah that we, that we have, that Mashiach and Yosef is going to be revealed in the Galil and Mashiach and David is going to be revealed in, in, in Yerushalayim. And the first place that he will be revealed in will be in the property of Shevet Naphtali, which is around the city of Meron. So, uh, in the same way as we're going to have then two revelations of Mashiach in two places, Mashiach and Yosef in the Galil and Mashiach and David in in Yerushalayim, right? Um, so then, we can say, as a matter of course, we could say that also Tchiyas HaMesim is going to be divided into two into two sections. Because the Radvaz, we said, uh, uh, brings down that you asked me a question, right, on the, when is Tchiyas HaMesim going to take place? So he says, yeah, the questioner says that he had a Kabbalah from his father that it's going to be somewhere in the 7,000th year with the, you know, it's as, as the, the world is destined to be 6,000 years. And as we begin the year 6,001, we begin the seventh uh, millennium, and uh, we, which is the Shabbos of, of the world. That's, it's going to be a thousand years. That is Kulai Menucha. And you're going to ask if, if so, all the tzaddikim and the great Hasidim that died on Kedusha Hashem in Golis. So are they not going to see all the wonderful things that happened to Kleisha? And they're not going to be able to rejoice with their, with their joys? And the Radvaz says the answer is my whole life I was upset about this question until I saw the words of the Ritva in Rosh Hashanah Daftar Zayin quoting his Rabbeim 
that there are two sections of Tchias HaMesim. One is, so, 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 so to speak, a private one just for the tzaddikim that died in, in the Gullus. And that's going to come very, very close uh, 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 shortly after the coming of, of Mashiach. And they are going to be to live during the entire time of, of Mashiach with a physical with a physical body, and they will they will they will therefore get the opportunity to enjoy the tremendous tremendous stature and position of, of the Jews and the, the building of the of the Beis Hamikdash, and they're going to uh, uh, be able to rejoice because of. The, all what they did, all their hard work that they put in their lifetime. That's the one section of Tchias And one is going to be a general one. And that's going to be much, much closer to, as we said, to the beginning of that, of that seventh millennium, as the, so to speak, the Shabbos of the world comes in, as, as is your Kabbalah. And that's called Oilam HaTchia. That's called the, when the whole world gets the opportunity of, of Tchias HaMesim. Uh, and about that, the Pasuk says, uh, Many who are asleep in, in the ground will wake up at, at that time. Right? The, the uh, Avram Azulai, in his parish, Or also writes quite a, quite a similar thing uh, on, 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 on the Zaya. He brings uh, his Rebbe, and he says there are going to be two uh, different sort of times of Tchies HaMesim. One is at the time of the coming of Mashiach, where then the, the Mesim will get up out of their graves, and they will sort of, their, their physicality will become purified, and they will live throughout the period of the coming of Mashiach, and they will eat and drink and, and have children, with tremendous kedusha and and uh, and purity, as is well known. However, in Olam Haba, which is then in that seven thousandth year, that we, and about that it says she'ain boy. There's no eating. There's no drinking, etc. And therefore, you need to to sort of purify the 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 body so that a body will be sort of recalibrated to be able to survive without food. And, uh, and, and drink. Uh, that's called the great Yom Hadin. And then everyone's going to die for a short time. And then they're going to be, become absolutely uh, uh, purified in such a way that then the body will, will uh, become a, a spiritual entity. It's going to be as spiritual as the Neshama itself. And then the Bali will get a, a, another opportunity, their Nishamas, uh, back on this era of Shabbos as the world is going into its Shabbos and they will live this completely spiritual, spiritual life. So based on this, we can say that those who went through the pain and the difficulty and the suffering of all the millennium of Golas that we've gone to, they will merit to get up from Tchia Samesim straight away with the coming of Mashiach ben Yosef. And then each one will get up from wherever he is buried without needing to go through the, 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 the tunnels. Right? And that first Tchia Samesim will be for those who live, who are buried, sorry, in the, in the Galil or in Tiberia or in Tzfas. But the Tchias Mason that's going to be at the time of Mashiach Ben David, so that is going to be the, the, uh, the final arousal. And then those who are in Yerushalayim will, will arouse, and whoever doesn't uh, uh, get up at that time in, in the Tchias Mason, he's going to have to then get to Yerushalayim by rolling through the, uh, through, through the tunnels. And even if he's buried in Eretz Yisrael, but not in Yerushalayim, he's going to have to uh, go, go by that mean of transport to get to, get to, to, to Yerushalayim. So those are the, two, are the two stages. So therefore, we can answer 
the question that we had about Yaakov Avinu. Because the Arachanea brings in his Chidushim to Meseches Nida, Daf Samachalif, that the three of us, Avmitzak Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, and his children, they're going to merit to to Avtchisamesim uh, already with the coming of, of, of Mashiach. Right? And in other words, at the time of the Tchiyas HaMesim, of the first Tchiyas HaMesim, which we already explained that in that uh, Tchiyas HaMesim there's not going to be any, any rolling through the, through the tunnels to get to Yerushalayim. And he proves it from the Gemara in, in Yuma. The Gemara is dealing with the question, how is it going to be that Moshe Abenu uh, was able to dress Aaron and his children uh, during during the Muilim, the Gemara asks, "How could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu dressed them?" Right? What do you mean? Ask what, what do you mean? Uh, how could it be? Am I Whatever was was. And the Gemara answers, "No." The question was, "How could he? How is Moshe Rabbeinu going to dress Aaron and his sons, lost lovely in 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 the future?" And the Gemara answers, "Okay, we don't know. We'll see what happens." When, when it happens, and how exactly it develops. But it seems, says the Alchaner, it seems absolutely clear to the Gemara that Moshe and Aaron and his children are going to get up by Tchiyas HaMesim, even though it's not yet the time of the general Tchiyas HaMesim, because, there's, as we learned before, there's no difference between Olam Hazeh and Yemosh HaMashiach, except the fact that when. We're not going to be under the domination of the nations of the world. We'll, be, we'll have our own, our own, uh, our own monarchy. He proves this point by the fact that the Gemara says uh, one of the sources for Mashiach coming is a pasuk that says "Unisate mimenu as trumas Hashem You will give truma to Aaron. So and the Gemara asks, "What are you talking about? Aaron's no longer alive. How are we going to give truma to Aaron?" So, so the Gemara says, "From here we see that there is such a concept as." And Rashi says, it's talking about Oilam Haba. Asked Arach what are you talking about? And Oilam Haba, Oilam Haba, there's no eating, there's no drinking, there's not going to be any truma. So he proves that, in fact, Moesha Aaron will come alive at the time of the coming of, of, uh, of, of Mashiach. So therefore, uh, we have different venues for when Tchiyas HaMesim will come, but they may fit very well with the different stages of Tchiyas HaMesim that we may have both in the time of Mashiach and, and later on. This is 11.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll come back right now with our Halachi segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Vayetze, Tav, Shin, Pei, Gimel. And for those who are joining us now, a very, very warm welcome. Thank you for taking some time on your very busy Erev Shabbos to spend a few minutes listening with us, sharing with us, being part of what's going on, and perhaps growing and learning a little bit in ways that will change and inspire and develop our own beautiful Shabbos, as we always do at this point on the show, just to give you the important details that you need to know in order to get this Shabbos going. So, first of all, the earliest time to light Shabbos candles tonight will be at 5.22. 5.22 is the earliest time to light your Shabbos candles. Very doable, not such a difficult uh, uh, to ask. Kind of get all the food ready, get the, get everyone bathed, and get the house in, in ship shape, and let's get Shabbos on in our lives. Let's make Shabbos the beautiful, beautiful day. Let's extend it and, and, and really, really welcome it into our our homes. The latest time for lighting Shabbos candles this week is at 6.29. 6.29 is the latest time, although many communities accept the standard uh, time for accepting Shabbos in the summer in Johannesburg, which is quarter past six. Quarter past six is when many shuls will start their mincha service. And of course, if you're part of that shul, then you do what they do. And, and when they get to Ms. Moshiliyama Shabbos, then certainly it is Shabbos in your home uh, also. But 629 is the latest candlelight time. Again, do not 
rely on any time after that unless it's an extreme uh, emergency. Shkia is really the time when Shabbos, sorry, uh, 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 candle lighting is exactly the time when Shabbos really starts. We don't really want to carry it on until Shkia. Shkia, of course, is at 647, 13 minutes before 7 o'clock. That is the time for the actual Shkia sunsets uh, today, which means that if you want to daven Mayrav at night and not have to repeat the Krishma. Five past seven, seven or five is when you have to sort of do it. And then, of course, you come home and spend a beautiful, beautiful Friday evening with your family and some lovely, lovely tender vittles and some good singing and some good divertera. And it's a very, very special, special uh, Shabbos. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vayetze. Quite a long Pasha, very dramatic, lots of action, the birth of eleven of the twelve tribes takes place in this week's in this week's parsha. The whole intrigue with Yaakov and and Lavan, etc., etc. Beautiful, beautiful laning, and then uh, Avtera uh, that talks starts talking about uh, Yaakov, you know, running running away from uh, from his brother, and it ends off with the Haftarah, that's a little bit scary for us because it ends up with a part of about Shuva Yisrael, the Haftarah of Shabbos Shuva. Don't worry, we have a little bit of time for Rosh Hashanah, but you know, great people, uh, it's never too early to start preparing for for Rosh Hashanah. And then we have Baruch Shem, a nice long Shabbos. Shabbos is getting towards its, its, its longest. Shabbos Kurdish ends tomorrow night at 7.22, 22 minutes past 7. So there's plenty of time in the afternoon to do lots of wonderful things, have a schlaf, have a little war walk maybe, socialize, and of course spend significant time on Shabbos learning Torah because that's what Shabbos is really all about for us to go and, and spend and spend uh, some time learning. Also just a very, very important reminder on Sunday night at Mayrev, we begin adding the St. Tal Umatar in our davening, the 4th of December, as always, except when it's not. Um, uh, we start at Mayrav on Sunday night, we, and instead of saying the same bracha, we say the same Tal Umatar Levracha, which we say from now, on, or from Sunday night, until until Pesach, uh, coming up in about four, oh, oh, sorry, I won't even mention that, that word, um, but uh, that that's our real our real request to Hakadosh Baruch Hu to bring us the rain that we so so dearly so dearly uh, uh, need. We have spent the last nine sessions talking about the introduction to the different concepts of of the Malachas. So now it really is time to get stuck into the actual Malachas, the actual uh, things that are permitted and perhaps not permitted on, on Shabbos. And I don't want to sort of uh, step around and, and pussyfoot. I want to go right for the jugular. And I'd like to start our discussion of the 39 Malachas with the Malacha of, of Bishul, with the Malacha of cooking, one of the most complicated and, of course, one of the most important Malachas because we all, in our kitchen, we're all busy preparing and making wonderful food for, for Shabbos. And we want it to be perfect. We want it to be good. We want to do it in the correct, in the correct way. So let's begin our discussion of the malacha of Bishel to today. So we know that uh, uh, a lot of work goes into preparing our our food. You know, in, in Gan Eden, uh, the major tells us you skoluk. We go to a a a, a fruit a, a tree and pick off a bun or something really really fun. There was no no nest no need to invest any kind of labor in in preparation of of, of food. But for us, a lot of work, effort, time, expense goes into the preparation of our food, and we know nature, of course, provides beautiful beautiful uh, food for the animal kingdom, right? Lush grass is, is, is wonderful for many animals, but for human beings, who we are, we are of course, much, much more sophisticated and much more 
a, a sensitive and and much more you know a, a developed. So therefore, the nature, the wood, the, the the ground, does not by itself produce a sufficient food for for us or satisfying food for us. And you know, we as human beings, we have to go to our fields and we have to get all the stones out of the fields and then we have to plow the fields and we have to plant the fields and we have to weed the fields, get rid of all the bad grasses and we have to prune the different branches that are, that are, that are extra to make, let it grow maximally. And then in order, that's all we need to do in order to grow our, our food. And even after we've managed to plant some wheat and the wheat has germinated and, and grown, well, that's still not edible for us to, to eat. And in order to take the kernels of, of wheat and make them into edible foods, so first of all, you have to thresh them, you have to winnow them, and then even those kernels aren't yet worthy of being eaten, and they, they can't really sort of, uh, 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 you have to cook them first, or if you want to make bread, so then you have to grind them first, and then uh, and then sort of sift them, so that you only get the, the, the pure stuff and, and choose the superior kind of flour, and then you have to knead it, and then you have to bake it, and, you know, Adam Arishan, as we said, hello, and if Adam Rishon had not done that fateful sin, so then all the work of preparing food would have been done with very easily without any effort, without any any any, any difficulty. But you know, as we said, Adam would go out, out, went out to his field, and he would sort of just pluck, you know, a nice uh, you know sort of a chocolate mousse cake off his uh, off his tree or other nice. Foods and he would he would eat them as the morning condition says. And if you wanted to, you could work a little bit in in his in his field and kind of uh, you know fine tune the food that he wanted in in a way that he uh, that he found uh, uh, appropriate. And Chazal say in in Shabbos that that's the way it's going to be when Mashiach comes. Lost lost love. Once Adam's chait will be repaired and and fixed up. So then, all the trees of Eretz Yisrael are going to grow and and develop, and they're going to they're going to produce the most beautiful and succulent things and cakes and 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 clothing. Everything will be provided for us. However, in the meantime, while we're waiting for Mashiach, as a result of the hate of Adam Rishon, so it is incumbent upon us to work hard and be industrious and make big efforts in order to produce foods from, from the ground. As in fact, it was said to Adam Arishan after the sin that Arura Hadama, the earth is cursed because of you. With great difficulty will you get food out of it your whole life you're going to have thorns and thistles that are going to grow and somehow you'll still manage to eat what the field produces it's going to come with the sweat of your brow until you leave this this, uh, this earth so again as a result of the sin of Adam Rishon the entire nature of of the world of the world change. We'll come back with some closing comments in a moment. This is one one point nine. Le show is Chai FM and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on one oh one point nine high FM. One one point nine high FM this is Soul to Soul back on your radio air Shabbos Kurdish Pashas Vayetse Tough Shin Pei Gimel. And we are talking about the concept of how the world changed dramatically after the sin of Adam Rishon, where before the sin, it was not necessary to do any work, to, to make any effort to achieve good food. But now, 
since the sin of Adam Rishon, the entire nature of the world has has changed and has, uh, in a way, you know, deteriorated. And what grows is not as perfect and as developed. And a person has to do all kinds of activities, all kinds of functions, all kinds of processes in order to take the food that grows on the ground edible for us. On Shabbos, we rise up to the level of not being part of this world. We are in, in a little caveat of, of Olam Haba. And we connect to the, the level that's beyond sin. And therefore, we reconnect to the level where it no longer is necessary for us to bother about the preparation of, of the world and preparation of, of food. And therefore, we stand on, on, the, on, the, on the inner level and, and understand that malacha, preparation of food, doesn't exist in the existential world of, of Shabbos. And it, it teaches us in order that we, ha- we can use this Shabbos as a way of fixing the world. There are 11 malachas that are connected to the production of food from the earth. And they start with the malacha of planting and goes to, to, a thre- uh, goes to a plowing and harvesting and making piles and threshing and uh, winnowing and selecting and grinding and, and, and refining and kneading and, and um, baking. And even three more that are the connection of uh, uh, live foods and that would be trapping or, or shechting and, and, uh, and, and flaying and skinning. And since the milacha of, uh, of bishel, which, which cooking and baking, which are the same thing, that is the, the closest and the one that we probably deal with the most on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Therefore, we, we, we've chosen to begin with, with that. And please, God, next week we'll get into the uh, nitty-gritty of of that of the, of that malacha. What are the diorises? What are the what are the drabana? What are the first of all, what are the principles of the malacha of cooking? What is allowed? What isn't allowed? And then we'll go practically through all the different steps and stages, and hopefully get some clarity for 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 ourselves. But in the meantime, the clock says that we need to run away and get the rest of our Shabbos preparations uh, underway, and and therefore it's just. My privilege to first of all thank you for taking the time of being with uh, to, uh, to be with us, and hopefully you're leaving a little bit of a more inspired person than you came in uh, 52 minutes ago. And please, God, we should just have a wonderful, wonderful, warm, inspiring Shabbos as we kind of look forward towards the holidays. Many, many of the schools already in the in the midst of of closing. People are very, very much looking forward to their much, much needed uh, holidays. And I just take the opportunity to wish every single one of you a warm and relaxing and inspiring and beautiful good Shabbos to one and to all.